0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. In this episode, we hear from Jerrion Karakas with TIAA, and Sean Garrett, who at the time of this recording had just announced his transition from United Way of Central Carolinas to United Way of Chicago.
1: Really excited to be here. My name is Jerrion Karakas. I'm the Senior Director of corporate social responsibility at TIAA, we are a Fortune One Hundred financial services firm, uh, headquartered in New York, but a really large presence here in Charlotte. So, uh, good morning.
0: Okay. and I'm Sean Garrett. Um, I'm the CEO of United Way in Chicago. I'm also executive director of the United Way of Central Carolinas, um, and United Way is a um, is the largest nonprofit actually around the the country, uh, around the world, and you know here in Charlotte. Um, we've been really proud to, to do a number of things related to economic mobility in our community, um, helping to drive neighborhood revitalization, um, working on issues of racial equity, um, as well as major systems change issues and key issues that face our community today.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about the work that you've implemented and really um, led here at the United Way. And I hoped, obviously, to talk about how our work at TIA has complemented some of that. We've been really, we've really benefited from the relationship uh, with United Way of Central Carolinas under your leadership. So um, it's been an exciting past three years. And I have to say, I've always felt a bit of a kinship with you because um, I moved back from New York, um, and I I know we'll get into kind of the history and things, but I moved back to Charlotte in essentially January of 2015, which... Uh, preceded you by three months, right? <laughs> and I know you'd come from New York yep. as well. Young children, we were starting a family, and so uh, when I first met you, I always felt like, ah, uh, you know, like we have a lot in common. It's it's uh, very. True. How old are your kids now? So I have a two and a half year old son and a six month old daughter, Ooh, uh, daughter. as we speak today. So <laughs> good man, <luck. laughs> It's been a slog, yeah. But I couldn't imagine doing it in New York, so yeah. I always remind myself that, like, well, at least I have this support system, and yeah. You know, Charlotte is a wonderful place to be so.
0: Mine are six and three so we're in a different different version of yeah. the uh, the game right now but it, it actually is kind of fun. I don't know if you've seen this but having having young kids and the kind of work that that we get to be a part of um, there's something that's you, you get to see the world through their eyes that has been for me really a cool experience.
1: Yeah so. and, and I wanted to ask you about that like I'm curious because obviously we've worked together and interacted at different events and things but I don't know that I've ever asked like where your passion for this work comes from. How, where was it instilled in you? And um, tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up
0: um, around United Way. My father worked at United Way um, during his career, but um, frankly, what's been more um, meaningful to me was really actually been more of a motivator is was my mom. Um, my mom is a, um, I think now 40 year uh, veteran of, public schools as a, a teacher primarily focused on working with um, special needs preschoolers. Um, she's a speech pathologist by training um, and as, as a kid I grew up just watching her go to work every single day and she'd go into work and she'd be working with a you know, three-year-old who isn't communicating at all and she would continue to work with the child and have very small gains every single day but those small gains every single day over the course of a year translated into enormous gains for a family who you know, was worried that their child would never communicate with them, right? And, and it really taught me the idea that the work that we do in changing a human condition is really hard, right? It doesn't happen overnight, but consistency and showing up and having belief and, and you know, working with families, you can make that little progress and that little progress can be so meaningful. And you know, she'll tell stories all the time about you know, a kid who has learned to say their first word at age five, and the tears that come from the you know a mother who never heard their child speak, and because my mom was able to work with this kid for a year, all of a sudden they can now begin communicating. And um, so it's really been the thing that I always keep in the back of my mind when we're doing our our work that you know you don't get. You know, sometimes I wish I was in sports, right? You win a game, and you know that feels good, and then you go play another game, and you can win again. Um, you know, we don't win every day, right, but you keep moving the ball forward, you keep getting things going and um, I think back to that, that experience my mom um, you know, really taught me at a young age of, of how she's done that now for 40 years and wow. the number of people she's been able to impact has been really pretty cool. So why um, did you get into to what you do? Yeah. You've, had, so, you've been in sports Yeah, in the,
1: yeah. So, so now you're you're into doing good things for people. Yeah. So how'd
0: you get to do that?
1: So I loved your sports analogy. Obviously that resonated with me because you know, I've always been um, a sports fan like a lot of guys and um, was never really talented enough to pursue sports at any great level, but I grew up in a small town and it's crazy, but um, a member of your staff, your chief marketing officer, Bo Hussey. Uh, his father was a basketball coach mm-hmm. for many, many years and um, at the time that I was growing up, really impressionable in middle and high school, his father was an assistant coach at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I told you I, I grew yeah. up in Blackford, Virginia. So I spent more time in those back gyms at Virginia Tech than I did anywhere else. I just was consumed by one of my childhood friends. His father was an assistant coach. So we just, we had a lot of access to this program. And I got to meet um, Coach Hussey through my time there. And um, he was really always a great mentor to me. So as I was coming out of high school and trying to figure out where I may go to college, uh, ironically enough, Coach Hussey was being, um, had been named as the successor to be the head basketball coach there at Virginia Tech. So as I was entering Virginia Tech in the fall of 97, uh, he was taking over the men's basketball program around the same time and said, I'd love to have you around. We'll figure out what you're doing. But he just uh, really believed in me, gave me structure that I was not receiving at home. And I think everything would look a lot different for me in my life if I didn't have that because school was never a priority. Yeah. Um, but he gave me a lot of guidance and a lot of structure where I had to be responsible in school in order to be around the program in an official capacity so what has surprised you
0: in kind of in the work you've been doing with the nonprofit sector like so you spent your whole kind of career in sports and marketing and yeah. and now you're you know, still on the corporate side, but working much more in with the nonprofit sector than the the purely the business sector. What what has that been like?
1: Yeah, you know what was really uh, has been eye opening, and that it, it's that for many of these nonprofits, they to a fall are so focused on their work and their end user and their client that some of the basic business practices okay. aren't always in place. And I think that was really eye opening for me. That like simple things, marketing collateral. Um, communications uh, processes. It was that many of the nonprofits that we work with, they're just solely focused on their clients yep. that spending time or allocating resources to maybe operate more like a business would uh, s- can be lacking at some points. Yep. And I, I see it changing even in the three and a half years I've been in Charlotte that m- many of the nonprofits, and I think you know, they've benefited from their relationships with United Way, many of the agencies that you support uh, they realize that they have to have maybe a different mindset of how they're going to market and how they're communicating with uh, the business community. And it's been cool to be a part of that yeah. in Charlotte. And I know you know when you uh, moved to Charlotte back in twenty fifteen, we were really starting to hear a lot about the Opportunity Task Force, economic mobility, and it's interesting when you t- when you talk about changes. It's like, um, and I've heard you say this a bunch is just you know, Charlotte has changed where even 10 years ago, it was a couple guys, a couple yeah. corporations making all the decisions and really trying to figure things out, I, I, I say in a vacuum, but I don't mean that to be negative, I just say they have so much influence, right. but it's changed with the things that happen in the economy, the diversification of kind of the core businesses in Charlotte, and I gotta imagine for you and your role at United Way, being able to work and see some of that change has been really rewarding. Yeah, it has. It's, it's it's interesting and, you know, I imagine some of a lot of these conversations are taking place
0: around the country, right? Um, but if you think about it, we're moving from a, a time period and an approach to community change, which was very institutional, right? Institutions got together, corporations and the leaders of corporations and the leaders of different kind of traditional movements would get together and make decisions and. You know, make change happen, right? And that's how, how we've operated for, you know, generation. And today, you can create change individually, you can connect with people in different ways, and you can help create change, you know, as, as a group, but you don't necessarily need the formal structures. And, and so trying to figure out how we as a community and I think we as a society balance that institutional Kind of value, which is great. We need resources from institutions. There's structure that institutions provide. There's, you know, know, advancements and processes and all those things that are good about institutions. But then also valuing the fact that you know there's a 25-year-old today who's you know walking to work and figuring out like, hey, I think I can solve a problem, and I'm going to utilize the skills I have to create a technology solution that will help solve a problem that's facing a community or you know there's different investment vehicles now that didn't exist before that allow you know dollars to get to innovative ideas in communities that have never been part of that. And I think we just have to constantly figure out how we balance that. I think it's been really cool to be here in Charlotte where in many ways I feel like that's taking place at a rapid pace. Um, That change from a small group of people making decisions to a much more inclusive opportunity for folks to have input and be able to take things in different directions. Yeah. Um, and the challenge in that is how do you, at some level, allow for that openness and going in lots of different directions but
1: still move together right. um, around this key issue for our community yeah. of economic mobility. It's, uh, you know, It speaks a lot to your leadership because some of these macro conditions that were taking place in Charlotte I can't help but notice that some of the um, really um, the changes and some of the things that you've done to reshape United Way of Central Carolinas of how you go to market, how you serve the community, um, speak to some of those macro conditions. And then one example that really resonates for me is uh, at TIA, we have so many of our young professionals involved with the different affinity groups yep. that you've uh, started or really implemented, and and and. Um, into place in your time here and so talk to me a little bit about yeah. some of those groups because uh, I feel like probably there was a time that there were you know you get to a certain point in your career and you write a check and that was how you serve and we have so many engaged employees that really want to get involved in different ways and United Way of Central Carolinas has provided a vehicle for that yeah. so you know, I always draw a chart,
0: um, and probably not great in this type of setting, but um, that on one side of it, you've got essentially an unlimited amount of people who want to be involved and do good in community. And if you, you know, have conversations with folks of, you know, any different group background, race, ethnicity, you name it, everyone says I want to be involved in community, right? And then on the other side of the chart is, you know. Uh, essentially unlimited need. We've got so many different things that need to be improved and worked on in our communities, right? And the challenge is how do you connect people who want to do good with the work that needs to take place in our community? And, you know, the, the chart out draw is kind of a distribution channel that has a bottleneck, that there's people just can't get from activating their interest to actually doing the work that they want to do. And that's really where our role is i mean our role is to provide a way for people in the community to be a part of making the changes that they want to see and so we create these engagement groups um, as just different ways to connect people wherever they are on the journey you know there, there are some folks that say hey i want to get involved and you know work and do things through my company great you know you guys and other companies do a great job of connecting them to different things there are others who say hey i'm relatively new to a community I want to be involved in volunteerism. 25 years old. Um, I want to do this with other 25, 30 year olds. I want to have fun. I want to get to know people. There's a social component, but I want to do good while you know having that social network. And so our Lincoln and Young Leaders groups provide ways for you know folks to do that together, but really get to know each other and have fun. And, you know they're having fun, but they're doing great things in community. You know we we were in many ways surprised, but we started um, you know a group that we call Women's United here and. Women United is, um, you know, affinity group for women to want to be involved in community. There are a ton of those groups that exist in the Charlotte community, and yet every time we have an event, we oversubscribe by you know one hundred and fifty percent. It's amazing right. even the passion and energy because people want to find others to do work with them. And you know, as I've talked with more and more people, one of the things that seems to be um, a common theme is that though we're able to connect easier than ever before through social media and things like that people actually struggle to find a way to connect on a human level and these affinity groups allow people to connect on you know core values of doing good in the community of being a part of our larger community yet do it in a way that they get to actually meet somebody um, and they get to build those relationships Um, and so that's been really really pretty cool to see and you know the last of our groups is our a-list group and that was one of the first ones that we actually started here um, a few years ago, our young leaders group had been in existence for a while, with the A-List one. And it was a way for um, leaders in the African-American community to be able to have conversations about what is the role that they wanted to play in our work. Um, and it was really fascinating because it provided opportunities for small group discussions. They've, um, we've had what we call boardroom, um, I think boardroom basics, boardroom discussions, where we've had leaders talk about their corporate careers and how philanthropy and, and civic involvement have been critical to their development um, but also what it has meant to be an African American and, and some of the, the challenges and opportunities they face because of that um, and yet still doing this kind of work and, and folks have really responded to it because there was a way um, for them to learn and be mentored from others who have been through that beforehand and um, so really each of the groups is about trying to find places and avenues and on-ramps if you will for folks who want to be involved in community to connect with others who share those values with them. You talked about um, kind of the impact of a mentor, how on you, right? Yeah. Um, what was it about Coach
1: Hussey? Like, what, what drove that? Like, why? Yeah. What, why, how did he have
0: such a big impact on you, and where did that come from?
1: It's crazy. I mean, he obviously coached basketball for over 40 years. Um, Kings Mountain High School, he was the head coach at Belmont Abbey College, he then was the head coach at Davidson College, an assistant at Clemson, um, and then to Virginia Tech. And so he mentored many many athletes that were scoring a lot of points for him, that he recruited, he met their families, and i think you know i wish i could ask him but i think that he just liked that i was really passionate about basketball i played hard i wasn't the most talented but i just loved it and consumed it and i think anyone that would talk to you about coach hussey they would say like he was so passionate about basketball and um and people and so he you know we developed a relationship because i would go to camps and again i was always around the program and, uh, you know, he just had a heart for me and I'm really thankful for that because, as I mentioned, you know, I, I grew up in circumstances that weren't great, a single family home. Um, my parents divorced when I was young and it was a bit of a shipwreck growing up. And um, he always took interest in me and asked me how I was doing and, you know, provided some accountability that I wasn't getting at home. And, you know, that's even in, in, in Charlotte or any community that you go to, uh, mentors are important and having people that you can bounce things off of uh we've heard a lot in charlotte about that social capital and i mentioned i mean I, I i would not have gotten into graduate school on my own merit but bobby hussey made a phone call for me and that changed everything and it changed everything in my career mm-hmm. and so um i just was really benefited by that and you know it obviously plays a role in my work now yeah. if i can be um, a mentor or provide some direction or make a phone call or do those things for people. I try to be really intentional about it because of the the impact that's had on me. How, uh, when you're with your kids,
0: do you, do you think about the the role that Coach Hussey played with you? Like how does, does that play into your role as a father? I, you know it's funny. I don't know that I've had an
1: intentional thought about it. I'm excited to tell my kids about what he meant to me and who he was and Um, I've even started now, like, you know, I was in college from 97 to 01 at Virginia Tech. And obviously before that, when I was in Blacksburg, but trying to, like, find things... Posters from a team, um, ticket stubs, game programs, just things that I can sh- share with them as they get older and try to understand it. But, you know, now it's a little bit more of survival, but but where where I do think about it is... It will change quickly, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm in the survival mode, but how I where I do think about this role that Coach Jesse had all my life is, um, you know, I'm blessed that I live in a nice neighborhood and most of the Families and kids around there like they don't lack for any resource and they won't and social capital will be in abundance for these kids But I think about like how will I play a role in the lives of kids that maybe my Son or daughter interact with on the sports field in school how can I make a difference in their lives if they don't live in our neighborhood or don't have a father that works here in corporate America? how can I play a role to maybe give them an assist that coach Hussie gave to me because You know, that was my deal like my dad wasn't um, working for a big firm or something that could help hey you know my son is graduating school can you get him an internship can you give him some exposure can he come job shadow you that was so far off the radar and uh, making sure that i'm intentional about that with perhaps peers of my children uh, that'll be something that i'm very very intentional about as they get older that's very cool yeah And so you obviously lead a a large team here in Charlotte and obviously will probably assume greater responsibilities when you move to Chicago. Who who are leaders that you look at now um, in society that help shape and that you um, maybe are inspired by? Yeah, you know, I'm a
0: sports guy too, right? So I love looking at sports. Um, You know, growing up, obviously, um, I hated Michael Jordan um, (laughs) because I grew up a Knicks fan, but I always respected the, the competitive fire, the we're going to play to win, right? There's not, you know, I got my numbers, but I didn't, we didn't win. It was, I'm going to do anything we can to succeed on whatever the task is that we're going to do. And that might have been playing cards, right? It might have been playing golf, but he was going to compete. Um, and, and that's something that I've certainly always tried to, to, to take with me um, in, in really everything I do. You know, I've I've been really impressed, um, you know, with folks here in Charlotte. You know, Laura Clark you mentioned on our team. I mean, that's a woman who bleeds the work we do every single day. She's incredibly effective. She's an incredible leader, but her passion shows through at every moment, right? And and we see folks that are willing to put that risk out there. Here's a you know, a white woman who has spent her career working in an african-american community and working with that community and is respected and trusted and the risk that she you know took of putting herself out there and getting to know that community being willing to accept that sometimes she was not accepted right and to still continue to go back every single day is, you know it's incredible to see that um and and what she's been able to do for this community and, and across um, the charlotte area you know i, I think about You know, different corporate leaders that I've had the opportunity to work with who've been willing to step out, um, you know, willing to say things at times when maybe it isn't in their best interest. Um, You know, uh, we work a lot in any way with uh, with Salesforce and their CEO, Mark Benioff. I mean, I give that guy a lot of credit. He's not afraid to put it out there and put the resources of his company behind things that they're passionate about. And you know, you see someone who. Doesn't play it safe, right? So many businesses today are going to play it safe. You got to, you know, here's the range of things we're going to work on, and he's he's not. You know, he's going out there on big issues around climate change, on equality, and other, and and he's pushing hard, and he's putting personal money, he's putting the resources of, you know, this innovative, fast-growing company all behind it. Um, you know, so I, I try to learn from those folks, and to say, yeah, we can play it safe, right? And United Way can play in the margins and continue along, or. You know what? Let's have people believe and see that passion that we have. Let's take the risk to put our values up against the work that we're trying to do, Um, and let's take the risk to be with and in communities in ways that maybe isn't always the most comfortable, and know that sometimes that's not going to work out. But if you keep showing up and you keep putting your values forward, you keep showing your passion. You know, over time, people begin to see that you're real, and and they follow you. And you know, those are the kinds of folks that I've really been. Um, excited to learn from and and just admired Um, but at the end of the day still like that Jordan side
1: of it was and make sure you win
0: yeah right it's good to get your numbers in but make sure you win yeah that's great
1: so as as your time in Charlotte uh, comes to an end and you transition to your new role what's like one piece of advice you would give to the person that uh, c- takes your role as the executive director? What's maybe something that you wish someone would have told you or what's kind of your parting gift to them as you uh, take on this new challenge in Chicago?
0: You know, I I, I would say to, to be aggressive. Um, it's so easy in our sector to be risk-averse, to, you know, try to balance our funding interests with community interests, with political risk. and you know people are smart enough to know that we're trying to do the right thing and I think the more we you know lead with these are the right things and here's why and we're gonna be bold and, and push to say you know it's great that you know take affordable housing as an issue you know affordable housing is a billion dollar issue we need to have that conversation we need to not be afraid and say we need more affordable housing units and things like that right we need to be comfortable pushing it's a billion dollar issue just like if we're gonna build a new football stadium, that's gonna be a billion dollar issue. Put those two up against each other, and we should have those conversations and not be afraid of, if we say it, if that's gonna risk our relationship. It won't. Right. We can have, folks can handle two competing interests, and we can say as a community, yeah, we wanna keep the Panthers here. We wanna have a new stadium at some point. That's great, and you know what? We also wanna have housing where people who wanna be a part of that community can actually live and afford to be. And so let's talk about it as a billion-dollar issue. So that when we come up with solutions, we're thinking big enough. Um, I think too often we're afraid to think big, um, and then because of that, our solutions aren't going to be at the scale that they can be. And you know, if there's anything I learned here um, during my time period, is people respond when you're willing to take that risk. You know, they want to know, to know you first. They want to believe that you can actually do something. But once you get through that initial hurdle people want to believe that we can solve big problems and the only way you can solve big problems is if you have a big enough idea and you have a big enough you know heart to try to make it happen and then from there we can get back into incrementally how we get there I mean, we're not gonna get a billion dollars tomorrow for affordable housing even if we did we couldn't build all the units overnight right. it just wouldn't work but let's start talking about it let's come up with a plan of how we're gonna get there and what the way we're gonna put it together but let's also do it with the urgency of the family that's looking for housing today they don't want to wait till we come up with our 10-year plan right and so we got to be able to balance those things and say let's have a big idea and let's figure out how we're going to do something today that gets us one step closer tomorrow one step closer and that incremental growth continues to grow more and more over time um, so i the thing i'm excited about is i think our community is there i think our community is ready for bold leadership i think our community is embracing it. We've seen a lot of change in leadership in our community Um, and I I think that whoever gets to be in in my role next will have you know great opportunity to really take it forward in in pretty exciting ways. That's
1: great well I know I speak on behalf of uh, the the business community here obviously I represent TIAA but um, I interact with all the large businesses here through some of the work we do in the community and uh, have really benefited from your leadership Um, love what you've put in place here. I know it's gonna grow beyond you. That was always your plan, right? That you would establish processes, you would uh, establish systems, and put great people in place to just continue this work long after you're gone. So uh, we're gonna miss you, but uh, it's been a pleasure working with you in this role, and uh, I know we'll stay in touch. I appreciate that greatly,
0: thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Experience. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Goliheu. Our graduate assistant editor is David Mueller. And our communications assistant is Haley Jones. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.